She's still here. It's a miracle. everyone it's Courtney thank you so much for listening uh, I want to thank everyone who has rated and reviewed my podcast if you haven't already go ahead and head to iTunes or Apple Podcasts where you can rate and review the podcast I would love to see and hear what your favorite part is uh, and any reviews help get the word out about this little tiny show of mine so I appreciate everyone who has already done so and a preemptive thank you to those of you who are about to I have something super serious that I want to talk about before we get into the dog stuff uh, that has to do with Lancaster. If you haven't already heard, Ricardo Munez was uh, shot and killed by a police officer in downtown Lancaster this past Sunday evening, I believe it was, uh, during a schizophrenic episode of his. And whew, it's been heavy. It's been hard. A lot of people feel that it's justified. I feel like the entire system has failed him, and it's really sad to see, and it's really sad to see all of the civil unrest right now, which is completely justified. The big thing right now is getting justice for Ricardo, but also, uh, after protests were had, a lot of protesters were arrested are, and are, being, are currently being held in the Lancaster County Prison on a million dollars bail, which is absolutely ridiculous. So, there are a bunch of organizations that you can reach out to, that you can donate to, to make sure that Ricardo's family, as well as the protesters, uh, are getting donations so that they can be freed and so, and so that they can get legal representation, but we also just want to make sure that Ricardo's family is taken care of. So, again, there's a million organizations, but I know that Lancaster Stands Up, Lancaster Safe House, Lancaster Legal Collective, uh, the Lancaster NAACP, and the Lancaster Changemakers Change Collective are all working together to get legal representation for those who are in, currently imprisoned and to make sure that uh, Ricardo's family is taken care of. So check out all those organizations. I will put all the links in the show notes as always. And yeah, let's give just kind of like a moment of silence, a moment of grief. Uh, for Ricardo and his family. For those of you who are currently fighting the good fight and are out there on the streets or doing the back-end work, please remember to take care of your own mental health. Uh, we need you out there. And so don't forget today to take 10 minutes to get a glass of water, do some breathing exercises, stay off of social media just for a little bit. Uh, yeah, and take care of yourselves because we need you and we need you to continue doing the hard work that you're currently doing. It feels wrong to kind of continue on with this podcast uh, right now after talking about such a heavy topic, uh, but I do have some important stuff to talk to you guys about. So let's move on, keeping Ricardo and his family in our thoughts, of course, as always. And uh, let's talk about dogs, but first let's talk about coffee. Guys, today I ran out of coffee creamer again. I'm ashamed on my family. I know. 
Uh, so I'm just drinking Starbucks. I just got a salted caramel mocha, okay? Don't, please don't shame me. Please don't shame me. <laughs> the salted caramel mocha is like my weakness and I love it so much. And I get an extra shot of espresso in it just so it tastes a little bit like coffee, but mostly like sugar. It's really good. It's my go-to for the season, especially with the salt topping on it. Oh my God. If you want to go really all out, my favorite order when I'm feeling bougie is a venti salted car caramel mocha with an extra shot, but instead of whipped cream, get the sweet cream cold foam and it's iced and it's like $8, but it is worth every penny. I'm telling you. <laughs> so anyway, now that I'm on my coffee fueled binge, let's talk about dogs. I really want to talk about socialization. And I don't know if you just heard that, but I have this wand that makes noises. Yes, it's a wand. I like Harry Potter. Please leave me alone. Um, and it's just, like, been going off by itself for, like, weeks. But it's, like, stuck in a spot where I just don't feel like moving everything. So if you hear magical noises, it's my wand. Please leave me alone. How do you think I'm such a good dog trainer if I'm not magical, right? <laughs> anyway. Socialization. It's a really broad topic, and I could probably sit here for, like, hours and hours and bore you guys to death about proper socialization and what it truly means, but I'm going to go over kind of just, like, the basics of, like, what good socialization is and just my experience with dogs socializing with other dogs. I'm just really going to talk about dogs with other dogs today. I'm not going to get into the whole thing of dogs with people and dogs with other objects. Let's just talk about dog-to-dog -dog socialization today. And what are good so some good avenues that you can get your dog properly socialized? I think when people think of socialization, they think of just like sticking a bunch of puppies into a room and letting them at it and letting them work through it. And while sometimes that's a valid option, um, please don't do this. Just don't just throw a bunch of dogs into a room and hope for the best. <laughs> we talked about it a little uh, while talking about breeders and how to find a good breeder, but a really good breeder should focus heavily on socialization, especially with different kinds of dogs, big dogs, little dogs, different kinds of people, different kinds of situations. Um, but a good breeder will socialize your puppies with dogs that aren't just in their litter. So that's something to look out for if you're buying from a breeder. Now, there is some good stock in letting dogs work things out for themselves there is some kind of like communication that needs to be had between dogs and dog corrections sometimes are more meaningful than a human correction to a dog but that can be super dangerous and scary um now on one hand dogs and puppies especially do need to learn how to sort through things themselves so that they're emotionally mature uh, and they need to learn not to rely so heavily on human comfort and stuff. So a good breeder, again, will kind of like set dogs up in a scary situation so that they can learn how to recover emotionally. There goes my wand again. Oh my God, this is not embarrassing at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so some of the, you know, sometimes you just need to let dogs work through it themselves. But you have to know when is a good time for human inter interference yes intervention interference whatever you want to call it if you're a little unsure that's when a professional is really great again if you're buying from a breeder they should do a lot of the head work for you and then for you it's just about getting your dog exposure to different kinds of environments 
um, exposing them to different kinds of dogs. I think a lot of people rely heavily on something like a dog park to socialize their dogs. And if this is you, I'm not shaming you, but please, for the love of God, dog parks scare the living shit out of me. And here's why. Now, dog parks are just kind of, oh, my head is in my hands, if you can't tell by my muffled voice. Dog parks scare the living bejesus out of me. And some of this is because I used to work in a super strict daycare, so seeing a bunch of dogs play together gives me a lot of anxiety. (laughs) Because I'm so used to micromanaging dogs while they play. But free-for-all dog parks are very high breeding grounds for a lot of things. Aggression, illnesses, aggression. Have I mentioned aggression? (laughs) I think a lot of where this aggression or like this notoriety for being a bad place to bring your dogs for dog parks is that there are a lot of uneducated pet owners. And there are a lot of people whose only availability of getting their dog exercise is at the dog park because they, for whatever reason, can't walk nicely on a leash or they can't do X, Y, and Z. And so they bring them to a dog park as their only form of exercise. And so this dog has all this built up, pent up energy and aggression. And I don't say aggression meaning that this dog is inherently bad. I just mean when your dog has all this pent up energy, it can so easily turn to aggression. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit later when I talk about play. But when dogs are at such a heightened state of excitement, like they are during play, that can so easily flip the switch from play to aggression. And so when these dogs have no exercise other than being at the dog park, that play is when you see it turn so quickly into aggression. That's when you see so many people saying like, oh my God, like they were just playing. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden they got into this fight, blah, blah, blah. It's because they're already in that heightened state. And that's why at the daycare that I worked at, you know, there were certain rules that we had to abide by. Not only is there all this built up, pent up energy, but the dog parks aren't structured in a way other than like a big dog park and a small dog park. And so you've got like 500 million different kinds of personalities and different kinds of play styles and dogs that maybe shouldn't be playing together, not because they're bad dogs, but just because they have a different form of play and that communication can kind of get lost between the dogs. So, you know, and there's also things like balls and toys and water and their humans, which all can lead to resource guarding. And all of these things and all of these factors kind of make the dog park a huge ball of energy that you don't want. And that's why you see so many dog parks having fight issues. So what are some other resources out there for you to get your dog properly socialized? The first one I want to talk about is dog daycare. I think after dog parks, dog daycare is kind of like the next general and thought of step for dog socialization. It's perfect for people who work all day and just want to make sure that their dog gets their energy out, but also get some fun time with their friends. And while like a very valid option, I do need to warn you against a few things like daycare is a very stressful and again, high energy environment. And when it's not managed well, it can be super scary. And not daycare is not necessarily the best environment for every dog. I talked about how to find a good dog daycare in my How I Find the Right Pet Professional episode. So if you haven't listened to that, 
feel free to go back and listen to that one and get a little bit more information. Uh, going forward, anytime I talk about dog daycares, I'm going to basically use my old job <laughs> as a reference because I really think that they did it right. All of us were trained in body language and dog play. Uh, the dogs were super micromanaged, which meant that all the dogs were playing appropriately, and if they weren't, they were given a time out. The dogs got proper rests, which meant every hour or so they would be put up for half an hour to an hour, uh, just so that they could relax and recenter and refocus. And the dogs were split into groups dependent on their personality, not necessarily by size. But even with all of these precautions, a dog daycare might not be the right environment for your dog. And that's totally okay. It's okay to admit that. It's okay to be told that. A lot of the dogs in my program are doggy daycare dropouts for whatever reason. Now, I'm a little biased about my own programs, obviously, because I think they're great and I think they're a good fit for a lot of dogs. Again, not every single dog is going to be a good fit for my pack hiking program, but a dog walking program or a pack walking program might be a good way for your dog to get socialized. I personally think it's one of the best ways. Of course, I'm going to think that it's my full-time job. First things first, your dog is going to get a structured walk, which means that they're not sniffing everything. I mean, they're sniffing things, you know, they have time to be a dog, but they're following the leader, basically. They're following the leader, so there's no time to fool around, there's no time to get into fights. Everyone is walking in the same direction, everyone is leashed up, so there's really no time for there to be scuffles or disagreements, and there's no playtime. Currently, I do not allow playtime in my leashed pack hikes. Now, when I do off-leash, that's a totally different story. Um, but even during an off-leash pack hike, I keep my play pretty structured. I try to keep it to one-on-one. -on -one. Here's some tips about how to distinguish what play is good and what play is bad. Um, we'll kind of just go over what good dog play looks like. Now, every dog is going to have their own play style, whether your dog is a boxer and it's like body slamming or... Dogs like to go in the air and play, or dogs like to wrestle on the ground. I would say the healthiest form of dog play is two dogs that are laying on the ground and or chasing each other. Uh, the dogs should take turns being the one chasing the dog and also taking a turn to be the dog that's currently being chased. All dog play includes healthy breaks, so... The two take time to breathe, to settle, and then they go back at it. If your dog is constantly, constantly, constantly going, 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 uh, that's when you want to intervene and say, like, hey, let's take a break, let's chill out, because, like I said before, when they're in that constant state of arousal, excitement, whatever you want to call it, don't get dirty with me, you know what I mean, when they're in that constant state of arousal, that can switch so quickly. Your dog can be the nicest dog ever, but then just have had enough of it and switch and turn around and bite the other dog. Maybe it's a correction, maybe it's aggression, but depending on how that other dog takes it, it can turn nasty really, really fast. And I've seen it turn nasty really fast, and it's not fun, and it's scary, and let's just avoid it, right? Now, is it easy for things to get out of hand? And is it easy to just continue drinking your beer or, like, whatever you're doing and watching your dogs play? Hell yeah. I'm not shaming or trying to make anyone feel bad for not knowing any better. Like I've said a million times before, you don't know what you don't know. But the whole reason for these podcasts is so that you live and you learn. And so you know a little bit better next time you go into a certain kind of situation. Next time you're looking for a different outlet for your dog. A pack walk might be a really great alternative for you and your dog. 
But okay, what are some things that you can do by yourself to make sure that you've got a well-socialized dog? First thing I would recommend is to just have play dates. If you've got a friend with a backyard that's fenced in, uh, if you know of a good space that you can bring two dogs with long leads on and just kind of let them explore each other, that's super fun. Going for a walk with your friend and their dog is a really good idea. Again, I like the idea and the notion of walking two dogs together because they're both going in the same direction. They don't have time to fight. They don't have time to play. They're just existing by each other. I think that's the biggest thing for socialization. It's not necessarily that they're playing all the time together or that they're best friends. I think the ultimate goal really should be that they can just exist together. And I think for two different dogs from two different situations, that's a lot to ask. And so it's a big deal when two dogs can just exist together and enjoy each other. If they become best friends, hell yeah, that's dope. So try out. Find a friend. Find someone online. I know you're in a neighborhood group and you're snooping. Find a friend and... Yeah, see how that works out. Uh, a client of mine, Miss Indy, who you all should know and love by now, when they first rescued her, she was super fear dog aggressive. And so anytime she saw another dog, she would just freak out. She'd be barking and lunging and whatnot. And so what her mom did, which I think is like kind of genius, is kind of did like exposure therapy with her. So she would take her and they would sit outside of a dog park, but far away. And just kind of, like, expose Indy to other dogs and realize that, like, you can just be around them and be fine and everything's okay. Now, of course, while you're doing this, try to be as calm and cool, as collected as you can. As I've talked about in multiple episodes, it's really important to stay calm and cool and feel confident during situations like these. Um... But then they would eventually just get closer and closer to the dog park until Indy was fine. And then once they came to Lancaster, I had no idea that this dog had issues with other dogs before. And so I was just like confidently introducing her to my whole pack and she did great. And now she's one of the dogs that I do intros with first. So if I have a new dog, I'll introduce them to Indy as one of the first dogs that they meet. Uh, Which is a really amazing story. And I wish Indy's mom talked about it more because bravo claps for Indy's mom because you really killed it uh and that's really amazing you can also take your dog to places like Lowe's or Home Depot which are both pet friendly of course on leash and just expose them to different kinds of sounds to different kinds of people if you don't want people petting them get them a vest or get them something that says please do not pet my dog you know this is when you really have to be an advocate for your dog and if people are coming up to you without your permission You can say, hey, you know what, please don't pet my dog, we're training today. Or, sure, you know what, let me ask my dog for a sit. Let me ask my dog to lay down first. Or whatever you want to do. That's a really good time to start practicing being a better advocate for your dog. Because it is something that can be really difficult to kind of like find a voice for your dog. It has been for me, at least. So now I'm to the point where I'm like super strict and I walk around like I'm this boss bitch. And... (laughs) I own the store, but I do that because, A, I need my dogs to feel that energy within me, but I also need to send a message to people to say, like, hey, like, you better fucking ask before you pet my dogs, otherwise I'm gonna bite your head off. Uh, but that's just me. (laughs) If your dog is super skittish or just nervous and you're not sure that you can even get into the store, just hang out outside, park in the parking lot, Usually there's a spot outside probably by the garden center where you can just kind of like sit down and let your dog acclimate to the senses and let them get used to all these different things. 
again, I'm going to express it's kind of like exposure therapy, but it really does wonders. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a long time and it's going to take a lot of hard work and persistence. Uh, I think you can say that about most things when it comes to dog training, but especially when you're getting over anxiety or insecurities or whatever with your dog, um, start small. And of course, talk to a professional if you need help. There's no shame in asking for help. There's no shame in saying, you know what, I don't know what to do at this point, but I really want my dog to be well-rounded, well, well-rounded dog. <laughs> Say that five times fast. Well-rounded, well, 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 Anyway, joke's over. Uh, <laughs> there is no shame in going to someone and saying, hey, I need some help. My dog is anxious at X, Y, and Z situations, and I just need someone who can walk me through and get my dog to a point where they're more comfortable. There is no shame in that at all. At the end of the day, you don't have to do anything that's outside of your comfort level, but your life is going to be a lot more easier when you have a dog who is well-rounded and you have a dog who you can bring everywhere with you if you want to, who you don't have to worry about in certain situations where... If you want to go to the dog park, you can go to the dog park uh, and not have to worry about it because you know that your dog has great recall. You know that your dog can handle any kind of situation, but most importantly, that you know that you can handle any situation, that you know that when you see a certain kind of play, you can get your dog out of there. Um, now, I should say, are all dog parks bad? No. There is a local dog park. It's a private dog park. You have to pay to get in. You have to have vaccines or at least like a titer test or something um, in order to get in. And I really like it. I really like it there. I find for the most part people are really respectable and actually watch their dogs. Whereas at a public dog park, I don't see that a lot. Uh, you see people kind of just like letting their dogs do whatever. But I find I found that at this paid dog park things, expectations are a little bit higher. So if you've got a paid dog park around you, they're usually not too expensive. Feel free to check them out. It is a really good way to get your dog's exercise out and to get that socialization. Plus, you usually see the same people every time you, that you go there. So you kind of build like a nice group of friends and a nice group of dog friends for your dog to have. That's all I've really got to say today, guys, for socialization. Please don't forget to check out the organizations listed in the show notes to help out Richard Munoz and those who are protesting his death. If you have any questions regarding anything, as always, my DMs are open. And don't forget to rate and review, and I love you, and I'll see you in the next one.